It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. All right. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Patrick, I just saw you Was drop your phone. What happened? Butterfingers, no, no, baby. No, I, Butterfingers. No, no, I didn't drop it. I just put it down because uh, I had somebody was on the phone and I was trying to get off the phone with them. And no, about ten seconds know, this, before the show, you dropped it. I saw you drop it. Don't lie. Did I? No, yeah, I, didn't. I think you know. Like despite all the, despite all that is said about me, and by God, there's a lot. And despite um, what I try to present, I'm I'm actually almost polite to a fault. Like I don't I don't want to be rude and get off a call with somebody, you know? Yeah. No, somebody I, that I called that. me. I don't. Yeah, I mean, like, and there's like, yeah, I, I listen to people talk, and uh, and I would rather not. So I mean, it's just <laughs> like I said, I'm I'm polite to a fault in a, in a lot of uh, instances, but. Uh, Anyway, that's uh, that's that. All right, welcome in everybody. Uh, now that we've uh, done a little psycho uh, analyzing of uh, the old P man, we are getting ready for a fully loaded show here today. Doug Martin is going to be with us uh, live in just a few minutes. Uh, Joe Gillio will be live with us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, so a lot to talk about uh, with uh, those guys as far as ECU goes and as far as college football goes. Uh, every Wednesday, we talked to Doug Martin, so Pilk, let me know when uh, Coach is on uh, board, and uh, we'll go right to him uh, here, hopefully, in this uh, opening segment. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with him and, uh, and be able to talk about a myriad of things from ECU to, uh, to college football. So just, Pilk, interrupt me whenever he uh, connects with us. Yeah, I will. Uh, meantime... Do. We have uh, a lot of things to tell you about as far as uh, our game day coverage goes. First of all, you need to download the IBX Media app if you have not. Uh, We got a bunch of downloads last week, and uh, you need to hop on the IBX Media app if you are uh, not, if you've not done that, so we can uh, get you on and so we can uh, talk to you about, um, well, you can hear the show. That's basically it. You can hear this show. You can hear our show, uh, Steve Logan's show. You can hear uh, the Steve and I go program, Hoist the Colors. You can hear all kinds of uh, just good and great uh, things. Uh, but you could also hear the uh, games. They're streamed on there as well through 107.9 WNCT and here in, on 94.3 The Game. In fact, uh, I used the app a little bit on Saturday when I had to be away from a screen for a little bit during the game and was not near a radio and uh, kept right up with what was uh, going on at that particular uh, juncture. So uh, it is a valuable, free thing to download at uh, the Google Play or App Store. And if you jump on uh, today and do that, you'll be glad you did. No pre-roll videos or ads before we start uh, streaming or playing uh, the shows or the station. So first of all, do that if you've not. You could download it to your tablet, to your iPad, to your iPhone, to uh, your Android. 
if you have one. And uh, you can also check us out 1 o'clock on Saturday. We will be uh, outside weather pending the Town Bank Tower. If not, we'll be in the Pirate Club area if the weather is getting dicey or looks dicey. And uh, we will be setting up for uh, our Pirate Game Day countdown uh, early. And then we will be on the air at uh, 1 o'clock with uh, the uh, fastest two hours in radio, the award-winning Pirate Game Day countdown for Bush Light. Hope you will tune in. We're going to have a great deal of guests with us. Uh, Keith Warhouse, who we had yesterday from Marshall, is going to stop by the uh, set. Stephen Igo is going to be on with us for the last 30 minutes of the show. Uh, T-Cop, Joe Sampson, Joey Football, and myself will be there. We're going to have Rini Angolia come by about 2 o'clock from ESPN. So we got a lot of people that are going to be popping by and uh, maybe even some special guests that will be showing up uh, that day. So we'll be doing all that. It'll be a lot of fun. One until three. Pirate Game Day countdown fueled by Bushlight. Then we'll yield to the network when 107.9 will join the uh, East Carolina Sports Network. And uh, Jim Zoki, Kevin Monroe, Macy O'Donnell, and David Horn will get you through the rest of the uh, broadcast. And uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington, our very own, will be uh, anchoring the scoreboard and uh, getting you through the post game as well. Hey, good time All on right, that, Patrick. So, you just uh, wrapped up our uh, pregame show talk, and the coach is on. So we're going to toss it over to you. All right. Let's go. Doug Martin is with us here. Never looked better. He's been in the sun. He's like me. He was in the sun over Labor Day weekend and got a little uh, got a little color there, did uh, Coach Doug Martin. Eddie Crabtree says hello to you, by the way, Coach. The finger. The finger. That's the what finger. he was the finger. He was the best holder in college football. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's threatening to call in one of these shows, so just uh, know that may happen. So how you doing, Coach? Everything good? Uh, everything's great, Patrick. Thank you. Yeah. All right. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, I think we got to put a bow on uh, week one. Uh, what was the biggest shock to you in week one? You know, I think uh, – a couple of things. Clemson, I think, is has got some major problems offensively. You know, new offensive coordinator don't really seem like they're all on the same page there. Listen to some comments that were made by Dabo Sweeney and uh, by the coaching staff. I'm, I'm not sure that's a good fit right now. Uh, so they got definitely have some things to to take care of and shore up. Uh, you know, Miami is another one that I watched. I thought you know there's some some issues there still for them to get back to be the Miami of old. Uh, yeah, I think they're improved, but got a long way to go. Uh, you know, but Florida state on the flip end, uh, looked really good and, and improving from last year. So, you know, a lot of good things going on. Notre Dame, I think is, is really made some big strides. So the team really to look out for, uh, let's start with Duke and Clemson. Um, to me, Duke did not look out athleted out there like you would think they would have been on, on Monday night? Well, I would agree with that. I think they've done a great job uh, finding their niche in, in terms of finding what is the Duke player? You know, what, what, what does he look like? And I think they've definitely recruited well. They've done well in the transfer portal. They've gotten some guys to help them. But the biggest thing is, Patrick, they've got an elite quarterback. I mean, the guy is really good. He can run. Riley Leonard, throw, yeah. Smart. 
you know, and he is the difference for them right now. And that's true. Most programs you see when they make a jump, when programs are really good, it usually starts at that position, you know, and they've got that guy. And, you know, not sure on the flip side of that, the Clemson does right now. You know, it looks like they've got some right. issues there. Uh, North Carolina has a guy, right? Uh, May, uh, Drake May. Yeah. But it wasn't Drake May coming to the rescue to help them beat South Carolina. Their defense actually played for once. So I think that's kind of an, an, an interesting story out of that, out of Charlotte Saturday night. Yeah, that, that's a great sign for them because they've been able to score points the last couple of years. They've been scoring points on people, and they do have one of the best quarterbacks in the country. They've got elite talent. They've got great speed. They always have wide receivers, running backs. Offensively, always have those guys. And they've looked the part defensively, you know, physically. Um, but there seemed to be a little bit more of an energy about them defensively, a little bit more toughness. I would say this, they're playing a lot more aggressive in style, a lot right. more pressure, a lot more moving the front. Uh, not just sitting back there and expecting their athletes to make plays, but I think Gene Chizik did a great job of putting them in position to make plays. You know, and he's a quality coach. He'll, he'll get them lined up right. Every Wednesday during the season, we're going to talk with Coach Doug Martin, offensive coordinator at ECU during the Logan years, uh, head coach at Kent State and New Mexico State, and now living the uh, semi-retired life. I say that because he's coordinating in the USFL for the New Orleans Breakers. And loving that because uh, it's just that's just calling ball is all that is. That's just all that's all that is. It's just call, dreaming up some schemes and uh, and doing it. So, Coach Martin, uh, who's down at the beach, living the life, kind of a Jimmy Buffett life, the late great Jimmy Buffett. He's got that life going down at the beach. <laughs> I don't know if it's that good, but it's pretty good, right? Now, <laughs> all right, um, let's talk Pirates in Michigan. Uh, obviously, I think the Wolverines. It's week one, but out of the gate, they look like the national title, legit national title contender. I mean, it, it'll it probably be an upset if they're not at least playing for the national title this year. I mean, they're certainly a top five team, and you look at the talent level they have offensively, defensively, and they've got everything they need to, to perform there, and they've got the money to make the NIL thing work for them, and obviously they've done that. They've attracted some players through that, um, you know, and, and that's an incredibly t- tough play for East Carolina to open up there. That's an incredibly tough opener. And especially when you're breaking in a new quarterback yourself and trying to get your bearings. And I know you you have a sense of what you think you're going to be offensively, but you don't really know until you get that quarterback playing in some games and you get a feel for, okay, you know, here's what we're good at. Here's where we need to stay away from things. Here's where we need to protect ourselves. And it's going to be another game or two, I think, for East Carolina to really get solid footing on the ground. You know, the other interesting part to that, me, to me, Coach, uh, is uh, McCarthy, the quarterback. Now, he was protected. You know, I mean, he's got a, a pro-sized talent-level line in front of him. But, you know, he he made some throws on Saturday. And I think he is one of the more improved quarterbacks in the country. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But you're right, Patrick. It always goes back to protection. You watch these guys, the guys that – can get the guys that have a play good play action system with them to where they can buy more time and extend routes down the field. Guys that are protected always look a lot better. It's a lot easier that way. And I give the prime example that is Sam Hartman. And no offense to Wake Forest, but you know they were an RPO throwing style, and he was under a lot of pressure at times. And he goes to Notre Dame, and you watch now him with 
elite talent up front in the offensive line. He has all day to throw right now, and he just picks people apart. So you're you're right. I think McCarthy is better, um, but you'll have to see once they play, you know, in Ohio State or or a Penn State or somebody that can match them physically up front. You'll find out really how much improved he is. All right, I want to uh, ask you a little bit about uh, East Carolina from their perspective. Uh, what I mean, again, just a real tough putt to, to begin a season with. You know, you've looked at it. I'm sure you watched it. So, I mean, as far as from your coaching guy, what positives did you take from from what you saw? Yeah, I think still you see an East Carolina team, they're playing hard. I mean, they believe, and, and they're physical. East Carolina's got a physical football team. It's not like they just went up there and got mashed, you know, that you know, right. Michigan just moved them out of the way and, and beat them 60-3 to three or something like that. You know, I mean, they, they represented themselves well, I thought, from a physical standpoint. Their players look like they belong, you know. So it's just a matter of, you know, the speed differential and, and talent differential overall. Um is a hard thing to overcome. But I think East Carolina's done a great job of recruiting. They've done a great job of developing players. They've definitely got a program. You know, they've got something they believe in that Coach Houston's set in place, that his staff is all on the same page. And I expect them to improve, you know, week after week. But I, I'm just telling you, Prescott, I just hope people don't get too anxious on them early. You know, you're going to have to give them some time. I, I went through this year with my whole career, but especially at East right. Carolina, you know, when we went from – you know, we're really good with Mark Crandall, and he graduates, and it takes us a year to get our bearings back, and then we get the next guy going, and David Gard comes in, and we're great. He leaves. It takes another, you know, couple of years to get going again. It's it's not as easy as people think of just plugging somebody in back there. And uh, right. I think as soon as they get that settled, you'll see drastic improvement by, by East Carolina. You know, they played two quarterbacks. Mike Houston has said we're, we're right now a two-quarterback team. That's not an ideal situation, and, and for Coach, it's not an ideal situation either. So uh, I, I think both guys have a chance to, to be the guy. Uh, but let's start with Mason Garcia. A little tentative, I thought, at first. Uh, opened up a little more for him in the second half, and I think he showed some things that he could do. He had some drops. I mean, his receivers mm -hmm. had some drops. Uh, now, he wasn't perfect. I'm not putting it on the receivers, but there were some drops. There was a pass interference that wasn't called that probably could have been. But, I mean, it, again, all of that in the in the wash probably didn't matter. So, uh, Michigan was the better team that day. But what did you see out of Mason that uh, he needs to improve on, and what did you see out of Mason that you liked? Well, number one, I think he definitely has physical tools. I mean, he can spin the ball. He throws the ball well. He throws it with good pace. I think he has touch. Um you know, the, the interesting thing for him is going to be see what is his vision like from the pocket. You know, Holton Aylers had great vision in the pocket. He could see the field. And I'm just telling you, that's something you can't teach. Either a young man can do that or he can't. I don't think you know right now where Garcia is in terms of that because of who they played and how early it is. Um, I think, you know, him just getting off receivers, you know, maybe hanging on one guy too long right now. And he's learned to move his eyes a little bit quicker. And that all comes with experience. But, you know, I think he right. has a world of talent and be interesting to watch his his play. But I, I just – I worry about teams when they go to two quarterback systems, Patrick. I'm just telling you. If, you know, if you have two, you don't have one. I, I'm just telling you. It's it's not a good situation for anybody. Um, it, I, I was always under the uh, – the belief that you just stick with the one guy until he proves he can't do it, and then you go to the next one. But juggling back and forth, and I hope East Carolina doesn't have to get into that. 
it, it just it affects your whole football team. It really does. I know coaches like to say it doesn't and all that. I'm just telling you, 40 years of doing it, it does. Yeah. Hey, Coach, can we get a break and come back and then talk about the games this week? Can you hang through a break with us or you got to be somewhere? Uh, absolutely. Okay, there we go. Coach had to look and make sure his wife said it was all right, though. That's the that's good coaching. <laughs> that's good coaching right there. You, you that's, that's check with the sideline before. <laughs> right, check with the sideline before you run the play. All right, uh, we'll be right back with more of uh, Doug Martin. It is the Patrick Johnson Show, and uh, stay with us. We're going to hear from uh, Coach thoughts on Week Two, including that ECU Marshall matchup and other big games. Stay tuned. Sometimes you just don't know if you want to kiss him or slap him. Ow! Either way, he'd probably like it. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Probably would, yeah. I think so. Uh, We've got uh, Coach Doug Martin with us for another segment. I appreciate Coach uh, staying through, and I want to uh, get into all of these uh, week Two matchups of uh, interest. Doug Martin with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. We got Joe Giglio coming up at the bottom of the hour, so uh, much going on. All right, Coach, uh, give me the uh, thoughts on ECU and Marshall. There's a great uh, history uh, there as far as uh, length and classic moments, but there's also the tragedy of uh, the uh, the 70 aviation uh, disaster with the Marshall team going back to uh, Huntington from Greenville. So, uh the here and now, a Marshall team that got uh, a little bit of a scare in them from the Great Danes of Albany, and uh, you know they've got a quarterback in Fancher who is, uh, you know, serviceable at least. You know, he threw thirty-five times uh, in that game and uh, threw to his tight end a lot. So, but but their running back is is really where it is, and they're very like ECU. I think tough up front physically. Uh, the two teams defensively are really really. Uh, tough up front. So, how do you see that matchup, and how important is this win for e- or th- would a win be for ECU this weekend? Yeah, well, I think it's it's really important for ECU to get the win. Obviously, you know your home opener, and, and it'll be a wild environment there. And I'm sure the fans will be great for them. That'll be an advantage. Um, I thought you know Marshall really struggled offensively in the first half of that game, which was surprising. Uh, you know the quarterback, I think he has some accuracy, but um, I'm not sure really good at throwing the ball down the field as well as what right. they would like. You know, there's a lot of things like you mentioned to the tight end. There's a lot of screens. There's not a lot of things getting the ball pushed down the field. So uh, I don't know if that's because they're worried about him or that's scheme or what it is. But uh, I think they are going to lean heavily on their running game, which that would play to East Carolina's favor. East Carolina's a very physical defensive football team and should be able to to play nose and nose with them on that. But this is a big game for both teams because, you know, Marshall played Albany. He was not – they shouldn't be in the same field with them. It was a close game. Didn't Don't feel like they played well. So they need to respond too. And, uh, you know, both these teams need a win. You know, um, I, I, I'm making myself a note to ask you something, but I'll do it there so I'm not all over the board uh, with uh, this. But let me ask you about uh, number 10 Notre Dame at NC State. Uh, the, uh, that's a noon game on Saturday. What do you see? What have, what did you see from NC state? And obviously we know Notre Dame's amazing top 10 team with, uh, Hartman at quarterback and, and he's got some protection now and he's picking defenses apart. Yeah. I think Notre Dame is much better with Sam Hartman. That was a major 
coup for them getting him. And they, they've had everything else. They've had really good defense. They've had great running backs, good receivers around them, always have great offensive line. But I think he was the missing piece for them. So they, they've got a chance to make some noise this year. The flip side of that, NC State is another one of those teams where I would put up some red flags on them particularly in the quarterback play. I, I thought they really right. struggled on offense. I didn't think they looked dynamic at the quarterback position. Um, you know, I, I'm not real sure that uh, the way they played against UConn, yeah, I'm not real sure they're going to match up very good with Notre Dame. Uh, North Carolina's hosting Appalachian State. Tar Heels are just on the cusp of the top 15. Uh, and App State's got some quarterback issues. So, uh, you know, I, I think this could be – if. The same Tariel defense plays like they did Saturday night. This this might get out of hand. Well, it'll be a good test for for North Carolina. You know, be, beware App State now. You know how they are. They they play yeah. with a chip on their shoulder. They'll be ready to play in this one. Uh, I think they are struggling a little bit offensively, which is uncharacteristic for them. But they've got great scheme. They've done the same thing up there for years and years. They're really good at it. Be another good test for North Carolina. You'll be able to find out a little bit more about their defense. And that's the only question for North Carolina is that defense. You know, is it going to be consistent? And if it is, then, you know, they're a top 10 football team. A couple other interesting uh, games. Uh, Top 25 matchup, Ole Miss and Tulane. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I know you watched the quarterbacking situation. Tulane's got uh, one of the better ones in in the conference. Yeah, now that that is a game I kind of circled to, to watch that could get really interesting. Because I think Tulane defensively can match Ole Miss and, and that offense. Yeah. The tempo I don't think will bother them like it does other teams. And, you know, Ole Miss better be ready to play in, in that game because Tulane could sneak up and bite them in a hurry if they're not. Uh, but that's one really to watch. That would be a good football game. And uh, SMU uh, beats Louisiana Tech. Now they go to number 18, Oklahoma. Uh, ponies, uh, pretty good roster. Uh, games in o- the games in Oklahoma. Should the Sooners be on any kind of upset alert, possibly? Well, if they are, they're in trouble. I mean, they, they should be able to add, out after <laughs> right. SMU right now. And uh, you right. know, I think Oklahoma looked look better in the opening game. Um, you'll find a little, little bit more about them this week, but they should be able to handle SMU. If they don't, then you know they're going to have problems all year. Texas and Alabama in uh, Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I tell you what, you can hear my dog. My dog's like Alabama. <laughs> that, the dog, dog is excited about this. Yeah, yes. Right. Yeah. No, I think uh, I, I think Alabama rolls in this one. I, I wasn't real impressed with Texas in the opener. I thought they still got some holes. They don't look like a fast football team. They don't look like a fast program you know they've got some guys they have some individuals that look like they play with speed but they don't play with great team speed i mean i i don't see their defense flying to the football on every 11 hats getting there you know what i mean patrick yeah. they just don't yeah. they don't seem to have that overall team speed that these elite teams have so far and uh i wanted to mention coach prime before we uh, said uh uh goodbye to you uh colorado beats tcu I, I, Dion can coach. I mean, I, I, well, I mean, what, and he, he can motivate. I know that. Well, here, first thing, tip your hat to the guy. I mean, you know, whether you like the way he did it or not with the transfer portal and running players off and all that type of stuff, that's the environment that we've created for college football now and for coaches. So I don't think you can blame him for that. He just, he's using 
the system right well, now to his benefit. But that's the, what you're there's talk that these well, they want these players to be treated like pros. Dion exactly. ran it like a pro camp. That's exactly that's my point, Patrick. Did. And I've been saying this from the beginning. Be careful what you wish for in terms of players and being able to transfer and all this stuff because coaches have to win games, and they're going to do what they need to, need to do to win football games. And if you're going to give them that leeway and you're going to pay players and all that, then you're right. That's how you're going to be treated too. So I, I give him all the credit in the world. He has flipped the roster, and they are a much, much improved football team. Now, time will tell the consistency – I, I think they should have a great chance to beat Nebraska because that's another program that's just reloading right. with Matt Rule. But they're going to be good. They'll be physical, all that type of stuff. But I think you'll find out about Colorado as it goes along. But in terms of Ken Dion coach, I mean, the guy's played at an elite level his whole life. He's been around great coaches his whole life. Whether he can coach X's and O's is not really important if he hires really good right. people around him. And he hired Sean Lewis to be his offense coordinator, who was the head coach at Kent State. And I know Sean very well. He's an excellent, excellent football coach. He knows what he's doing. He's a great quarterback coach. So that side of the ball is is good. If he, if he hires good coaches to be around him and he can recruit, which obviously he can because he can sell, sure. then right. they've got a nice package there right now. So time will tell, but right now you got to tip your hat to him. No, absolutely. Uh, and, and, I mean, he can get you fired up. There's a heck of a, uh, <laughs> heck of a pre-cape right. speech. But, you know, right. that's uh, – it, it, and look, that plays with guys that want to play college. They want to go somewhere that has that buzz that's exciting. So It does. It's it gonna does be really and recruiting and, you know, recruiting and transfers and all that type of stuff. But, you know, in the end, you've got to win football games. So, I, you know, I, yep. I wouldn't be calling Kevin Ohio and putting him in the Hall of Fame yet for a coach <laughs> – head coach and all those type of things. But, but I would certainly be watching that. They're, they've gained some interest. But, again, you're going to know. I mean, to me, if they won, you know, five games this year, that would have right. been a tremendous turning on for that program. So, you know, let's wait and see where they end up. Coach, good to talk to you. Thanks for hopping on, and uh, we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Thanks a bunch. Sounds great. Sounds great, Patrick. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. There he goes, Coach Doug Martin. Let us grab a break. Uh, we'll save the update for later on in the show because uh, we're going to get Joe Gillio on. Joe Gillio on here in just a few minutes from the OG Podcast. Talk to him a little bit about uh, some of the ACC stuff the last few days and uh, get his thoughts on uh, the Pirates. So it's Joe Gillio with us uh, coming up right after this on the Patrick Johnson Show. We have you covered with all the ECU news and beyond that you need for the drive home. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Tomorrow, uh, we're going to have Jim Zoki with us live. Uh, talking Panthers, talking Pirates. Uh, Rini Angolia, ESPN. Uh, he'll be calling the uh, game as the analyst for uh, ECU Marshall and ESPNU, 4 o'clock, Daddy Ficklin Stadium. Let's go now to our uh, guest line where... Joe Giglio from the OG podcast has linked up uh, with us uh, here. Long time in an O-Rider and uh, then was at the fan in Raleigh, but now uh, part of the OG podcast. Giglio, how are you, my friend? Oh, no, we got Giglio. He's muted. He's muted. All right, we'll let Giglio figure out his, uh, his microphone situation, the microphone sitch. I think you're still muted, Joe. Uh, we'll, we'll work on it. We'll get it. Oh, I just heard something. No, nope, Don't have you. No, uh, 
He's looking good on okay. my end, Patrick. So I, I'm not. I'm not sure. Okay, he well, does the, look good. Well, looking good. But I'm saying his uh, his uh, all his things are 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 correct where we should be able. So to you hear him. him? No, you hear him. No, we we should be able to hear him. So it's, okay. it's on his end. He says. Ah, uh, wait a minute, Joe. He says no. All right, I tell you what, Pilk. Why don't we? <laughs> why... <laughs> He looks great. What a feed he's got. I this know. This is the bad part about the video. He looks outstanding. All right. Uh, Pilk, do you want to work on that for a second? And I'll yeah. uh, vamp a little here. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll cut uh, to your beautiful face. There you go, Patrick. Yeah. Just just Patrick. Ah, and, uh, we'll there you are. Not, not Joe Giglio of the OG podcast. Yeah. And Pilk will try to get that uh, straightened uh, out. All right. Uh, so we were telling you about tomorrow. Uh, Jim Zoki, Rini Angoli will be with us. Uh, right now, Terrence Copper is scheduled to be with us Friday. Don't forget, uh, football Fridays here on 94.3 The Game and uh, the IBX Media app. We have Steve Logan at 5 o'clock with the Logan Zone. And uh, you'll want to tune in this week, uh, obviously. And then we will have the Patrick Johnson Show. We shift to 6 on Fridays. And uh, Terrence Copper will be uh, talking some uh, pirate football uh, with us and uh, also the start of the uh, NFL uh, season. Uh, Pilk, if we can't get it straight on there, let's get him on the phone and uh, and talk to Joe that way because that would be perfectly uh, acceptable uh, because i got a lot of things I want to talk about uh, with Gilio. We really uh, – I wanted to get his thoughts on what obviously happened uh, with uh, Friday before last uh, with uh, the, uh, the addition – or Friday with the addition of uh, – the West Coast teams, Stanford and California and uh, SMU to the ACC. Uh, Joe's covered the league for decades, so I would love to get uh, him on and uh, talk that with uh, him. We got him on the phone, Pilk? He's trying one more time to connect with us via – via. I told him to disconnect and then reconnect. We're going to see if that works. If it okay. doesn't work, I'm going to call him. All right, why don't we uh, – why don't we? You, can you do an update while this is going yeah, on? Yeah, let's, let's grab and, an update and then uh, right. and we'll see if Joe's. We'll back go to on. break after the update. Yeah. Alrighty. All right. So uh, here is uh, a 94.3 The Game Sports Update and Pirate Report with uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington. Thanks, Patrick. Philip Pilkington here with your 94.3 The Game Pirate Report. And uh, we will start as the Pirates will take on Marshall this weekend. Coach Houston says that his team is very motivated for the home opener. I felt like we had a very motivated team uh, Sunday, uh, both in film and on the practice field. And the players have been around, um, you know, all day yesterday, all day today. I mean, they're, they, they went, uh, you know, all in on you know, getting ready for Marshall immediately. Uh, they're really excited about uh, this weekend being back in Dowdy Ficklin. They understand the quality of the opponent coming in here. They understand exactly who Marshall is. Um, it's going to be a great game, uh, and, and they're excited to get out there. So I expect us to have a great week of practice this week. And the San Francisco 49ers have locked up their star pass rusher for the foreseeable future. Edge rusher Nick Bosa has signed a five-year contract extension worth $170 million with a $122.5 million guaranteed. Looking at notable injuries, 
around the league. It is still unclear whether or not tight end from the Kansas City Chiefs, Travis Kelsey, will play in tomorrow's season opener after hyperextending his knee yesterday in practice. And Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow was a full participant at practice today for the first time since July 27th when he injured his calf. They'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash update and Pirate Report on the other side of this timeout. We will talk to Joe Giglio from the podcast with the P-Man on the other side of this timeout. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. All right, we got Gilio uh, linked up. We're ready to go now. Joe Gilio of the OG Podcast uh, is uh, with us. Gilio, how's it going? Good. Can you hear me now? Yes, you've never sounded better, nor you've never looked better. So uh, good, good to have you with us. The great Joe Gilio, who has covered the ACC for many, many, many moons in college football. So a lot to talk with uh, Joe about uh, here. Don't know how much of ECU you got to see. Uh, but All I know you've kept. Tr- okay. Oh, you did. Okay. Well, let's get yeah. your let's get your impression then of the. Uh, I mean, look, Michigan's. If they're not in the playoff, it's an upset. If they're not in the finals, I think it's a little bit of an upset. Yeah, talented team, obviously up front and defensively. I, I didn't like uh, the free points that were given to Michigan on the the clear uh, pass over the line of scrimmage. I did, didn't love the the missed pass interference call either on ECU's first drive there, but. Listen, I thought the way that they fought was indicative of, of the program that Mike Houston has built. And uh, particularly, you know, you look at it in the second half when you're going, oh, they have no chance of winning this game. But they stayed in that game, and obviously that's going to serve them well and has served them well under Mike Houston. So you move on. You get Marshall this week, who's obviously a talented team, going to be a tough game, uh, and then, you know, doesn't let up with, with App State, a trip to App State on, on deck. So uh, hopefully ECU will be focused and, and not too beat up from that Michigan game. And, able to handle their business this week at home against Marshall. And look, uh, don't think that Gardner Webb's going to be an easy out. They've got a great coach and, uh, yeah. they can score some points. And they did against App State for sure. I'll be there yeah. for that game. Yeah. That's, uh, that's parents. Weekend, oh, you, okay, so. good, good. Yeah. How is, yeah. You, how's your son doing? He's at ECU. How's he doing at ECU? Uh, so far so good. Uh, the only issue is uh, his roommate who we knew from high school got sick. And so he's oh, kind no. of been holding down the fort by himself a little bit up there, but you know, there is fun to be had in Greenville, so he's doing well. <laughs> yes, there is. There is. Fun for all ages. All right, um, Joe Giglio with us here. We have not really talked to anybody uh, of your ilk since the announcement last Friday that the league is expanding westward. And um, let's just – let's uh, you're shaking your head if you're with us on video. You're seeing Giglio shake his head. So I can only imagine where this, where this is going. So Joe Giglio of the OG podcast, the floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like a a panic move. It seems like a move based on adding a little bit of money in the short term at the expense of your long-term stability. Uh, The whole point of the grant of rights was that Florida State and Clemson can't go anywhere. So why would you add teams under the premise that Florida State and Clemson are going to leave us? Uh, The grant of rights lasts until 2036, as we just saw with Texas and Oklahoma. They couldn't even buy out of their grant of rights a year early. So I think some of these schools get it in their head. Oh, this is going to happen. And if we don't make a move, it's going to be the end of our conference. When really, uh, when you take money in the short term for really just the sake of taking money, 
all you're doing is shooting yourself in the foot. More money per school with this deal. That's the thing that blows my mind. Yeah, like, like I said, it, it, you're adding a pool of money to the conference. The teams that are coming in are completely worthless as football brands, so that doesn't help you. Um, but they were willing to take a, a cut rate to come in. In the case of SMU, basically they're saying, don't ever pay us. Uh, it's a very interesting <laughs> game, P-Man. Yeah. Uh, I have joked yeah. that I might try this you know, potentially with Scarlett Johansson. Hey, you, just, you don't have to be with me. <laughs> I, I will, I'll, I, you don't need to pay me. I can just do it for free. Uh, I don't know how SMU pulled this off, but but they did. So kudos to them. You're the second person I've talked to today that's mentioned ScarJo because my friend Bill yeah. McMillan was talking about her uh, earlier. Must must yeah. So there you go. All right, um, Joe Gilio, OG podcast, downloadable anywhere you consume a podcast uh, with uh, Joe Ovius and Joe Gilio, and uh, they're in their uh, prime time of year right now with uh, football season. Uh, firing up. Why did a Why did NC State change its vote? I don't know. I don't know. Short again, <laughs> short term gain. Um, it, the really easy play was to stick by your wingman there, P. Just 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 watch Tough Gun. Just take one poli sci one on one class, and you'd be okay. Uh, Carolina came out against this. Uh, I would have stuck by Carolina's side because eventually, if the ACC in in the twenty thirties. Uh, faces a situation where some of these schools decide to leave, you're going to need some help as NC State. You're not a primary brand of this league, so you need help. And the the number one person who was going to help you was the University of North Carolina. Um, to to not support them in this way, it just feels like, again, it just feels like you're kind of slitting your own throat. And, and Randy Woodson, the chancellor, is is retiring in, in the next two or three years, I believe. So maybe he doesn't care. In the long run, what happens to NC State? But this feels like a really short-sighted and not very smart move by Randy Woodson at NC State. You, th you think he would care? He's the highest-paid chancellor, so they've made him a very well-heeled man. Well, he, so you, you yeah, think he, he doesn't would care? care. No, nah, he doesn't yeah. care because he also voted for Mark Emmert's contract extension as one of the NCAA's ah. board of governors, and he's never answered for it as as a uh, as a chancellor at a public school. He's it, I've asked a million times to talk to him. I've been told basically pound salt a million times. So he doesn't care. Uh, you're going to vote for Mark Emmer. You're going to sell out NC State. All good, man. Do what you got to do. Yeah. All right. Um, this idea that they're going to play games in Dallas beyond the SMU game seems absurd to me. Yeah, I, you know, and I get it. Uh, it's Pollyanna of me to sit here and, and be concerned about the sports other than football and men's basketball, but you're really putting a strain on those athletes that you don't need to do. It's totally and completely unnecessary. And hopefully this thing, hopefully we see football break off from the rest of these conferences and the rest of these sports and just football goes and does its own thing. I, I think we'd all sign off at that at this point. Um, yeah. That would make a whole lot of sense, but the NCAA and these schools have never been known to do anything that makes a whole lot of sense. If you've listened to the Ovius and Julio podcast, you know I've advocated for if you're going to add random schools, add schools that care about football. I, I wanted them to add ECU. I wanted them to add App State. I wanted them to add West Virginia. Those are the schools right. I wanted the ACC to add. If you're going to add schools willy nilly, 
then go get ones that are actually going to get your fan bases interested in seeing your teams play them. You know, we got a App State Carolina game this week. Last year, we had that opening weekend with App State and Carolina, ECU and NC State. Yeah, uh, We're going to see ECU play App State next week. These are all great things for the state of North Carolina. Again, why one school wouldn't look out for some of the others, I don't really understand. Um, but ultimately, this is about a short-term cash-in by the ACC's schools not named Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina. And West Virginia, you got a, then a more geographically friendly rival with Pitt. You know, that's a little better for Syracuse, oh, maybe even BC. Yeah, yeah, Virginia Tech. So, I mean, there's a lot of great directions uh, that could have uh, gone. You need you need to talk to the commissioner when you speak to him again and, and say, "Dude, what's up?" All right, think, uh, Joe Gilio. Yeah, go, go ahead. Right now, where I, if I have an idea, I go the opposite of that, so they know. Because if they know it's my idea, then they know I will ah. never let them hear the end of it. So I think maybe I right. have to start doing that. Say, why don't you bring Hawaii in? You haven't gone far west enough. Go get Hawaii. Yeah, Maybe that would not? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, I think a lot of people would be fine with going to Hawaii for a conference yeah, game. At this point, uh, why Joe, not? Look at Oxford. They're a Joe, really good school. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Joe Chilio is with us. OG podcast. All right. Um, was Monday night more about Duke or about Clemson? I was really impressed with the way that Duke came out with a hunger and an energy and an aggressiveness. All full credit to Duke for that. But I think ultimately you're looking at a Clemson team that has won the ACC seven of the last eight years that looked very ordinary. Their skill players are totally and completely pedestrian. And that's kind of hard to believe considering some of the recruiting advantages that Clemson has. But when you look at Dabo Sweeney's unwillingness to go into the portal and get players, the same way that Florida State went and got a Keon Coleman from Michigan State. Mm -hmm. You're you're looking Mm -hmm. at Coleman in that game against LSU, three touchdowns. He was a game-breaker, P. I I didn't see anybody on Clemson's receiving group that looked like Coleman or looked like Johnny Wilson or really looked like any of the skilled players that Florida State or Colorado. Look at what Colorado did. It's not like they went out and recruited a bunch of high school freshmen either. So I don't think it's hard to do. Uh, uh, Two of Colorado's receivers were from South Florida, so – Go and get some guys. Make it make it easy on, on yourself. Do you uh, do you think uh, as far as the Blue Devils, there's a, a sky's the limit, or is there a ceiling to this season for them? I mean, ultimately, I love the way that they were aggressive and the way that they played, but they needed help, right? I mean, it's it's thirteen to seven, and if Clemson had scored the touchdown there where they fumbled on the goal line, I still think they probably win the game 14-13 with all of their other problems. Um, right. So there are some. there was some help there from Clemson in terms of their turnovers. It wasn't the cleanest game in the history of the world by Clemson. I think Duke takes this now, and the, and the real challenge is going to be how do you duplicate that effort? Because, heck, man, uh, what was the year ECU put 70 up on Carolina – and then, like yeah. a week later, they lose to Rice, you know, like or what? Because they, you can't. It's hard to duplicate that effort, and that's the only thing I would be concerned with. With Duke, is did they did they play their Super Bowl? Did they already pour it out? Because uh, they have a lot of good, interesting games left on that schedule, including Notre Dame here in, in three right. weeks. So I, I speak. I'm not worried in terms of like they're going to go three and nine or something, but I do worry that sometimes it can be hard to play a game like that and then ramp your effort back up to meet that intensity. Speaking of Notre Dame, NC State, uh, I imagine will be fired up at noontime on uh, Saturday. 
Yeah, you know, I, I hate that it's the noon start, uh, particularly in September. I wish, speaking of governor intervention that we've talked about, <laughs> I wish Governor Cooper would uh, tell ECU, would tell ESPN that ECU, State, Carolina, uh, Duke, Wake, all of them can't play a game at noon in the month of September. Uh, I don't mind noon games in November, don't mind them even at the end of October. But really, in this state, teams shouldn't be playing at noon. And uh, I think it's going to help Notre Dame uh, because obviously, you know, kind of like last year with ECU, the game at noon against against State, like how that place would have been, uh, it was alive, but it would have been even more alive if it was a, even a four o'clock kick at, yeah. at Dowdy Fickle. So I think Carter Finley, you can you can make the same type of assumptions with the uh, the state fan base. All right, got a few minutes here. Uh, you mentioned App; they're playing at Carolina this uh, weekend. Uh, Tar Heels look really good in pulling away from um, from really uh, South Carolina. Yeah, and App's got some offensive challenges. So, how do you see that one going? Yeah, this is a tough one because this is one where you watch all off season and you see that App State scored 61 points on you the previous year, and you know Gene Chizik has made that a point uh, of concern for UNC's defense, which looked rejuvenated and, and completely reborn in the game against South Carolina. I suspect South Carolina's offensive line w w is not great uh, and will have a lot of problems in, in SEC play. Uh, that doesn't diminish, though, the confidence that Carolina should take from that performance against South Carolina. And Drake May, I, I can't say enough good things about Drake May. The NFL draft is going to come around next April, and the conversation is going to be about Drake May and Caleb Williams. And people are going to be like, why weren't we talking about Drake May as the number one pick earlier? And I'm just a little bit ahead of that conversation, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. All right. Um, Joe Giglio, great to have you on. This was good. Uh, and uh, we'll do it again periodically throughout the season if you're so inclined. And uh, good to talk to you, my friend. Absolutely, Patrick. I appreciate you taking some time for me. All right. There he is, the great Joe Giglio of the OG Podcast. You can download it anywhere you download uh, your podcast. Big thanks to Giglio for being on today. And a big thanks to uh, Doug Martin for joining us on the program today. Uh, the ref, Philip Pilkington, great job by uh, him today. Uh, Pilk, anything that we have not covered from the world of sports because we've been guest heavy today? Uh, not not really, other than I guess uh, Nick Bosa getting that big-time contract extension, yeah. which uh, puts the Niners Jeez. just a smidge over the cap for next year. Just, just a... Just like twenty million dollars, they're they're gonna have to yeah. they're gonna have to uh, reconfigure some contracts between now and twenty twenty four. But hey, they got seventeen plus games between now and then, so it's all about this. Yeah, year, right? they got plenty of time to figure that out. It's 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 about now. No, I if you're t you're talking to Bosa, Nick Bosa. Let me hold a dollar. That's all I'm gonna say, Nick Bosa. Let, let me hold a dollar. All right, uh, tomorrow on the show, Jim Zoki joins us live telephonically from. The Queen City, Zoke will be on the call of ECU and Marshall uh, on the radio, East Carolina Radio Network, uh, Sports Network, this uh, coming up uh, Saturday. And uh, we'll also talk to Rennie Angolia. He'll be here as the analyst for ESPNU. So uh, looking forward to having both those gentlemen on tomorrow. Another guest-heavy edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Coach, uh, er, back Patrick, in the if I could, can I ask you one question about Rennie? Rainy Angolia, yeah. does he born with that much energy, or does that dude drink like eight energy drinks a day? I've never met a guy with so much positive right. energy as that guy. Rainy's got a lot of energy uh, as it is. He's got a motor, but he drink. He's a, he caffeines up. He drinks a lot of coffee. He's a coffee and water guy. I'm trying to become one. I occasionally have the Sprite Zero. All right, 
Big thanks to everybody today. We'll be back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., Talk of the Town, 96.3-1037. The Big Hen turns 70 tomorrow. And uh, we'll also be back here 5 o'clock tomorrow on the Patrick Johnson Show. Don't forget, I go tomorrow at noon, and we'll be on at 6 Friday with Logan on at 5 o'clock right here. Have a great rest of your evening. Stay cool. Thank <laughs> you.